This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're recapping our very successful NCAA championships for the women's and men's swimming teams. The women finished 13th in the country and the men finished 24th, their best finish ever. We'll also get a men's lacrosse update from head coach Peter Lasagna. They're currently ranked 7th in the nation. Plus, we'll preview the Bobcat rowing season, which gets underway this weekend in Philadelphia. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The NCAA Division III Swimming and Diving Championships took place last Wednesday through Saturday down in Texas, and the Bobcat women's and men's teams performed up to their high expectations. The women's 13th place finish marks their fourth consecutive top 17 national finish, and not only did the men finish a program best 24th, the duo of juniors Teddy Pender and Riley Ewing came away with the men's team's first individual All-America finishes since 1991. Ewing came in 15th in the 100 backstroke, and Pender earned two individual All-America honors, finishing 16th in the 100 butterfly and 11th in the 100-yard freestyle. On the women's side, senior Sarah DeHare earned six more All-America awards to finish her record-breaking career with 23, the most by any athlete in any sport in Bates history. Junior Logan McGill now has nine career All-America awards to her credit, and first years Yannicka Ho and Monica Sears earned three apiece in their first NCAA championships. Head coach Peter Casares wraps up the four-day event. We have some on the team that have been there and done that, but we brought a lot of new faces this year. Um, and it was a great learning experience for the freshmen that came and for some of the upperclassmen that were experienced their first um, ever national meet. So we had some growing pains. Um, um, we learned a lot about a four-day championship meet and preparing for it. Um, and as usual, the team continued to improve over those four days, got faster, um, and finished with just um, an outstanding performance on the final day, going lifetime bests um, and breaking school records. So I think we've left the meet um, really satisfied with how we swam, what we accomplished, but also knowing um, that we have a lot of great returners coming um, back next year that will have a better idea of what to expect and the ability really to hit the ground running um, from day one and then hopefully hold it all for the, um, for the full four days. And then Teddy Pender and Riley Ewing, part of a couple of Relay All-America teams, but also getting some individual All-Americas. That hasn't happened since 91 here at Bates for the men's side. How cool was that? That was great, you know, and it's like, one of those things where you think, man, I've been here 10 years and we haven't gotten a guy to score at night at the national meet. It just kind of shows you how tough it is to get to that meet, first of all, and be invited. Um, and then once you're there, yeah, you have to perform. There is no second chance once that gun goes off in the morning. You better be on and you better be at your best or extremely close to it so that you get a chance at night to score some points. Um, and those two guys came here. This is both their second time or the second time for Teddy, third time for Riley. Um, and they took advantage and became um, All-Americans for us. And like you said, 91 was a long time ago. Um, so none of those guys were even alive the last time we had <laughs> Dave Collins scoring. Um, and a huge shout out to him because it wasn't easy back then either. 
Um, so it was just great to have some night swims for our guys. And they moved up. Um, they scored points. Uh, and uh, they broke school records. So we kind of did it all. Um, on top of that, our men's relay performances uh, were just outstanding. They moved up in the 200 medley relay from 13th to 12th overall. They actually squeaked in 16th in the morning and then had an outstanding swim at night, moving all the way up to 12th. Um, and then the 400 medley relay wasn't even invited to the meet and ended up, I believe, 13th. Um, so they dropped from about 18th or 20th to 13th and scored points. And so they were all-American in both those relays, which really helped catapult us to that 24th place and the first time we've been in the top 25 of the national meet. You said they weren't even invited to the meet? What do you mean? <laughs> well, they were invited in the 200 medley. Yeah. Um, the 400 medley was the 18th fastest or 19th fastest time in the country, and they only invited 15 this year. Oh. So the 200 medley was 13th. Those four guys also swam the 400 medley while they were there since they could compete in more than just one relay since they had made the trip. Mm. Um, so that relay, um, which was not scheduled to or was not seated to score at night, top 16, passed a bunch of teams that were invited, um, improved enough to come back and uh, score an All-American certificate. That's awesome. And then on the women's side, I mean, what more can you say about DeHair, right? Six more All-America finishes and breaking a bunch of records along the way, right? Yeah, I, she was perfect this weekend. Um, and it wasn't even a weekend, these four days. You know, yeah. like, it, it is just outstanding and astonishing to think about it in terms of um, if you take back a step and look at it from a full perspective of what she did. Um, we have very talented athletes on this team. There's no doubt about it. Um, many of them just as talented as Sarah, but she is elite in preparing and being ready um, and uh, swimming her races correctly in the most pressure-packed situations. I mean, to think she swam three individual events at the national meet freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year, and all 12 of those were good enough to come back at night. She never missed at all, and I just talked about how hard it is to come back at night. Um, is just an unbelievable testament to her consistency and the hard work and her just dedication over not just the three-month season, but nine, t ten months out of the year to be ready and to be her best and to be able to perform at an elite level when it really mattered. Um, so for her to do that and to come into her senior year with the finality of the meet and the pressure that exists and for her to um, handle that and go all lifetime best to come back at night um, and in her individual events was outstanding. And also, this was their first year in her career. She was top eight in all three events. Mm -hmm. She had never done that before. So not only did every individual event she swims set a school record and a personal best, but she was All-American top eight um, in three individuals, which this is, I mean, there's, there's a handful of kids in the country that do that. Um, there's a handful, probably even smaller handful, if that's possible, <laughs> um, that are scoring in all 12 individual events over their four years. Um, and she did that while swimming on extra relays and, and carrying um, teammates along with her and helping them achieve their goals too. So, um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine a more perfect ending to a career. And uh, I couldn't imagine a, a program benefiting more from that type of consistency. Um, and we are going to just miss her terribly um, and know that we can continue on. We have the right people ahead of us to to continue that legacy of great swims. Sarah DeHara broke her own team record in the 200 IM, finishing fifth on Wednesday for her first of six All-America finishes. She helped the Bobcats finish 12th in the 200 freestyle relay and ninth in the 800 freestyle relay. Then she finished eighth in the 100-yard backstroke and sixth in the 200-yard backstroke. 
breaking the two-minute mark for the first time in her career. She concluded the meet by leading off the 400-yard freestyle relay. The Bobcats finished 10th in the event for DeHare's sixth All-America Award of the Year and the 23rd of her career. And Sarah DeHare is our female Bobcat of the Week. It was great. I think everyone had a lot of fun. People swam really well. Um, people put together some really good race strategies and enjoyed the atmosphere and, and sort of the, the, the big environment of swimming with some of these really big um, collegiate teams. And I think everyone enjoyed it um, and had a great time. Excellent. And then your last race, you let off a relay. So what was that like when you finished your portion and got out and was like, do you even think of it was your last or you were just thinking cheering, cheering, cheering? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think while I was swimming that last lap, I was like, okay, this is the last, this last lap. So like, it's just, you know, make sure you touch the wall as fast as you can. And I got out and, and started cheering. And um, I think it was just really exciting to be um, part of the team as, as part of my last race um, and enjoying, you know, swimming with some of these women um, that I've swam with, some of them for, you know, two or three years. Um, so I think that that was really exciting um, and just a really great way to finish. How conscious were you of, like, the records you were breaking for your own <laughs> records, other people's records? Like, when you're done, you see the time on the board. Do you know right away that you've broken a record, or do you have to have coach tell you sometimes? You know, I, I try not to pay attention yeah. too much to that. Um, but, you know, there a lot of times it's sort of like, you know, I, I'm more thinking about sort of how I've been in the past and sort of comparing that as to um, sort of my best times personally and not necessarily records. Um, I didn't even know that I had broken the 100 free record until I had gotten out of the pool, so... Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily conscious of it um, right right after I'm swimming, but sometimes people clue me in on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was like maybe like kind of fight back like, I guess, with your teammates after it was all said and done? I think it was great. People were exhausted. Um, <laughs> and it was a long travel day for sure. And um, I think after like a long four days of swimming, people were really tired and, and traveling can also be exhausting. Um, but I think people were really proud of how they did and how the team performed. And so it was definitely a really good way to, to sort of end and, and come back and transition to, to Bates. Yeah, it seems like looking at the social media on Facebook that, I mean, I know there are lots of pictures getting posted. It seems like it's a really great time for everyone, you know, in and out of the pool, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and I think we, we purposely try and do that. I think, you know, when you're at sort of this this final meet of, of the the season or the year or your, your career, you should sort of enjoy it and, and take it all in um, as well as being focused. But I think, you know, part of enjoying the atmosphere is having fun as well. And then how do you think that some of the younger swimmers did? I mean, you as a senior, you get to see, you know, Yannicka and Monica, some mm -hmm. of the younger uh, swimmers, how'd they go? I, th I thought they did really well. Um, I think a lot of it is definitely a learning curve, and, and I think definitely both of them will be back at some point again, um, hopefully for the next three years as well. Um, and so I think they were just trying to, to figure out how the whole meet works, and I think both of them had said, like, okay, now I know what it's like to, to be here and, and sort of what I'm working towards um, this whole season. And, and so I think that sort of experience uh, really helps them, you know, moving forward with their training and their and their race strategies um, for the next upcoming seasons. Obviously, the whole meet went really well for the men and the women, um, but there was one DQ for the women, but you guys were able to bounce back. So how, how are you able to bounce back from that? Because I know it's kind of rare. Yeah, it is really rare. Um, and I think that one was, was a bit tough for us to swallow. Um, but I think, you know, we sort of looked at it as like, okay, you know, we can't control it now. It happened, and we should just move forward and, and look at our other races and, and make sure that we're, you know, you know, preparing well for those and, and – um, you know, putting together good race strategies for that and, and sort of, again, just sort of putting it behind and, and, and moving on. And then for a four-day meet like that, because you don't have any of those really during the regular season. You have the NESCAC, which is a three-day, I mm -hmm. believe, but four-day. So how is that a unique challenge maybe for you and for your teammates? Yeah, I think it's difficult to sort of plan out um, the amount of races that you're swimming over the course of four days. And, and it definitely is really lengthy and it can be really exhausting. 
Um, and so I think we just try and manage it as best we can. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, preparing really well and also recovering really well. So there's a lot of easy swimming. There's a lot of ice baths, a lot of like, you know, ice on the shoulders, um, making sure you're eating properly and um, sort of just like taking it all in and taking it one step at a time rather than looking at it as one big chunk and, and just separating it out and going step by step. Um, so I think that really helps people um, plan out their four days. How was Coach feeling after it was all over? <laughs> he was he was good. He was excited. He was happy, um, which I think you know was awesome for him and and I think for the entire team. And you know, regardless of how people swam, he always had like a smile on his face, which I think is great. And he said, you know, I don't care how fast you swim. I want you to just have fun and you know at least be competitive and put together good race strategies that you have you've had this entire year. Um, and so I think people doing that consistently um, was something he was looking for and and, and enjoyed watching that. So what, what's next for you? Are you going to keep swimming just because it, it's what you do, or, is, or are you going to take some time off from it maybe? Yeah, um, I, people keep asking me that, and, and I think I'm going to have to take some time off. Um, I definitely, I think, do want to, you know, swim Masters at some point. I'm a, my mom was saying, you know, I'll be watching some Masters meet at some point, so this isn't really the last, you know, meet for me watching. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think I definitely need some time, try something new, um, and just sort of enjoy taking my time away from the pool. And, and I think from there I'll sort of like, you know, regain some love and, and respect and appreciation for the sport and then hopefully get back in at some point. All right. Well, Sarah DeHara, our female Bobcat of the Week, uh, Bates record 23 career All-American awards. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Teddy Pender's four total All-America finishes makes him our male Bobcat of the Week. He made history on the second day of the meet, earning an individual All-America award his first of two. But when it comes to his place in Bobcat history, Pender cares more about the team's performance than his individual accolades. I try not to think about things like that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's pretty awesome, but I'd like to also point out that uh, my teammate yes. Riley also got at the same meet. I think um, both of us getting at the same meet is absolutely awesome. Yeah, you and Riley with individual American pitchers, you just happen to chronologically have the first one. <laughs> but before, that way, yeah. A little bit before. But, um, you know, the team as a whole, what a finish for the men, right? I mean, you guys must have been really happy on the flight back, right? Oh, yeah. We, we were so um, stoked with our performance. Um, 24th in the country. I think when we went uh, my freshman year, we were 35th or something like that. Um, so we're, we're going in the right direction. You know, um, fourth NESSEC team. Um, we were on the heels of Amherst the whole way. Um, yeah, it, we're super pumped for what, what could happen next year. So that's something you guys kind of keep an eye on throughout Nationals, how you're comparing to the other NESCAC opponents? The, the NESCAC is extremely competitive, yeah. and um, uh, everybody knows how hard everybody else works, and there's great camaraderie amongst us. Um, we sat next to Colin for the whole week, and it was awesome sitting next to them. My freshman year, we sat next to Amherst, and they're a great bunch of guys and uh, girls as well. Um, yeah, and then the last day we have a cheer together, and that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic being part of the NESCAC. After last year, how happy was Riley to have some teammates with him? <laughs> oh, uh, he, he, he's so happy about that. <laughs> I remember seeing him last year, and uh, uh, yeah, he's just, it, it was so nice, just four of us uh, going together. Um, we bonded really well, um, and we really carried each other throughout the week. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to go, but it's another thing to get four All-Americas, two in the relays and two individual for you. And so the relays in particular, that must be pretty gratifying because that's really a team effort. Oh, it, it, it's definitely something very special. Um, and knowing how hard we worked together this year and see it paying off how it did is just fantastic. And I'm so happy with the way it ended. 
and you're a junior, so you got another year coming up. And so, what are you going to be working on? You think uh, to go forward and uh, have an even better season next year? <laughs> um, there's a couple things I can do better uh, next year. Um, probably swimming on the fly uh, would be a better idea as well because uh, we, we, we kind of threw myself in that uh, as a bit of fun and I uh, ended up coming back top 16 at night. So that's something I think I'll dabble in next year as well. <laughs> so maybe a little bit more focus on the pra in practice, basically? Yeah, um, usually in practice I just swim freestyle and get a little, uh, little monotonous at times. But yeah, throwing some flying every now and again really helped me. Um, adds a bit of versatility to my, my training. Yeah, the, the butterfly, obviously, it looks like a more and more strenuous event, maybe? Or how does it compare to other events in terms of, you know, the, the effort put into it almost? Um, butterfly is something that's difficult to get right, mm -hmm. and it's something that's difficult to do well. Um, I only really started swimming fly on the medley relays this year, mm. um, really only on the two medley. Mm. So uh, on the second day when I had to swim 400 flies, um, something I wasn't really used to. Um, and um, Coach Casares and Vanessa told me that I could probably use some work on my stroke. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm trying a little too hard to get my arms over. But yeah, no. Um, butterfly is very technical. Um, but once you get it right, it's, it, it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling to get it right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then the NCAA championship's a four-day meet, but you had luckily an off day in the middle sort of it on Friday. How nice was that? Oh, it was really nice. Um, <laughs> It was great hanging out on poolside and training as loud as I could for my teammates. Um, the girls fa swam phenomenally that day, um, but it was also awesome to see some really fast swimming and just uh, soak that up. It was, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just interviewed Sarah, everyone's voice, a little hoarse because there's so much cheering going on, right? <laughs> yeah, there, there was, uh, it was 12 of us there, and we had to make ourselves as loud as possible. Um, so we, we put every ounce of effort we could into all of our cheers. So now that the swimming season is over, uh, what's your plans for the off season and whatnot in terms of getting, um, you know, staying in the pool? Or are you going to take some weeks off here a little bit? Well, we've got swim lessons these next two weeks, mm. um, so I'm still very much in a pool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably take about five, six days off and then um, ease my way back into the pool. But what I really need to focus on is getting my strength back um, and hitting the weight room more. So that's, that's, that's what I've got to focus on. Yeah, because some of the works outside the water is the most important, right? Oh, indeed. Um, specifically movement prep, um, coordination, um, in general, general strength is, is really good for swimming. It seems like the team had a lot of fun down there in Texas. All, you know, I saw all the social media posts on Facebook from the official team page and whatnot. So what kind of team bonding experience is that like to, to go down there in kind of a smaller group? Um, it, it, the team is very close as it is, Yeah. Um, but the 12 of us particularly bonded over barbecue. Uh, the food down south is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we get together a lot. Um, we'll watch movies together. Uh, we'll get dinners together. Yeah, it's it's really easy to bond with such a great group of people. On the flight back, was everyone just exhausted and like trying to sleep, or were you guys hyped, so hyped up from the meet? Um, uh, me, Riley, and Jonathan, and Walpole were all sat on the same aisle on the way back, and we were, we were pretty pumped up, but we also realized that we had a lot of work to do when we came back. Um, so there was a bit of work going on, but it was also a lot of sleepyheads on a plane as well. Work being academically, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to, to get work done in a meet like that. Yeah. Um, but what's great about Bates is that I have great professors who understand um, the balance of academics and athletics. Um, and being in constant communication with my uh, with my professors is extremely important. Um, 
So thankfully, I'm, I'm on top of my work, and I'm ready to hit finals in a couple of weeks. There we go. Well, Teddy Pender, our male Bobcat of the Week, uh, four All-Americas at this year's NCAA Championships, including two individuals. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. The number 7 nationally ranked men's lacrosse team had their midweek game against Endicott canceled due to weather, but they traveled to Trinity on Saturday and defeated the Bantams 14-7, to improving their record of 5-0 and and 3-0 and in NESCAC play. Big games at Keene State and Williams await them this week, but first we caught up with head coach Peter Lasagna to update us on his squad. You had a midweek game that had to get canceled, and then you had to go to Trinity to play a NESCAC game. You guys got the victory, but... How did your team adjust uh, kind of to that cancellation? Did you get some more practice time in, or how did that go down for you guys? It actually was a, another test, as uh, the season is sort of a series of tests. And last week's test was losing a midweek game against a really strong in-region opponent, uh, Endicott, who tests us in every way. So a really valuable game for us uh, that we hate to lose, that we hope we can get back later in the season. Um, and then not being able to practice on our field. Uh, you know, so being forced back inside um, in mid to later March um, it can be a challenge. And so just finding the will to not care about that and focus on what matters and the ability to prepare in a climate-controlled uh, area with no snow um, was a huge part of the test for us. And then going on the road, you know, the first time that we did the leave on Friday after classes and go stay in a hotel and do that whole thing and get up and, and, uh, and go play at, at a great, a really uh, a pretty strong NESCAC opponent that's going to be a really tough out once they get everybody back. They had a number of really, really important guys not there for our game. But, uh, yeah, so it was, a, again, another chapter. Last week was another chapter. <laughs> uh, what have you learned about your team so far? Because, you know, start of the year, you barely have any time with them, and now you've had quite a few games, so what have you learned? Kind of uh, anything surprise you? Yeah, it's actually interesting, Aaron. Uh, so I, the way that I organize the practice plans, both how they, how I save them to me and how I publish them to our uh, students every day, is just the number, what number practice it is for the season. And so, uh, looking at number twenty-five practice is sort of like, wow, we've been at this for a really long time. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like it's all happened really fast. Um, what we've learned, uh, we've learned that we have maybe pretty extraordinary depth. Um, most of the people that we play are not running three offensive midfields, are not playing four or five defensive middies, are not playing three different poles, five or six different defensemen, um, you know, a couple different really capable face-off guys. So I just think providing opportunity to those people, especially the, the young guys, um, early in these, you know, games that are real tests for us, um, we've learned a lot. Um, and that also allows, I mean, it sounds like that, silliest thing for a coach in the world to say, but um, the only way to get experience, especially in heated NESCAT games, is to let guys play uh, if you think they're ready to play. So um, our depth, I, I would say, is the greatest thing. I, I don't know how you cover us. Yeah, this team, I mean, the goals come from all over. Lestava, Faye, obviously we saw Melvin, Weber had that huge game. Um are you pretty glad that you don't have to scout your own team, sort of? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure where I would start. I, again, I would say that the Trinity game is the most recent wonderful example, you know, where Charlie Fay, two-time second-team All-American and one of the best players in the country in Division III, um, you know, the ball was not going in easily. Uh, he always is going to create fantastic opportunities for himself, and he did again. Um, but their, their guy made some really quality saves uh, on the doorstep. And ch yet Charlie, 
you know, helped us in so many other ways and rode his behind off and picked up a bunch of really important ground balls, had a couple more assists, uh, you know, again, and then Matt Lastava goes off. Um, I don't know where you start. You, you, you have to, I think a lot of people feel like when Charlie's on the attack, you have to put your best cover defenseman on him. Uh, then you have Andrew Melvin, who's also, you know, playing all-American level uh, lacrosse right now. And uh, so that's probably going to get your number two assignment. And then that leaves your, your number three person to cover uh, a, a really explosive, dynamic Dodger feeder score, uh, Matt Lestava. And, and, and in the midfield, I mean, we're, we're now getting strong production out of three midfields, which... Again, the first midfield may not always love it when I call uh, out midfield two or three, but part of the reason why the first midfield is able to continue to be so productive is that they're fresh. Yeah, and then for this team, I mean, what's maybe something you're looking to work on to improve on going forward? Because there's always room for improvement. Everyone knows that. There absolutely is. Uh, We'd like to turn the ball over a little bit less uh, than we are. Our goal is 15 turnovers or less a game. Uh, I'm not sure we've hit that goal yet. Um, clearing the ball, we'd like to be a little bit more efficient clearing again. We're going to take chances because we want to push the pace and get the ball out fast. Um, but we need to be able to do that while clearing the ball at a slightly higher percentage. We're, we're so skilled um, defensively in, in terms of our ability to, to handle the ball and, and how athletic we are back there that when we get stops, it needs to convert to an offensive possession for us. And I would say those and, and special teams, uh, we're always looking to improve our special teams. We've talked about Lestava and his breakthrough so far as a first year. Who, what other young guys have really stood out to you so far? Um, I would say that Frankie Spitz uh, on the defensive end has played very, very well. Uh, Curtis Napton is part of that uh, midfield group with um, Wes Shrewsbury and Andrew Small uh, who have really emerged in the last couple weeks and, and just given us another really legitimate threats. Um, we're getting contributions out from George Gilbert, a uh, freshman from Falmouth, uh, got his most time uh, against Trinity and, and made some really, really important heads-up plays for us in the middle of the game when it sort of swung our way. Um, so I'd say those guys are, are, are probably the leaders right now. All right, Coach, well, by the time people listen to this, the Keene State game will be said and done. We do have one later here on Tuesday against Keene State, then at Williams. A couple road games. I know Keene State, look at the scores through the years. Always a close game, isn't it? Uh, once again, uh, this year, last night, we sat in the film room in Merrill and... Uh, watched scary Keene State film. They're incredibly talented on offense, and uh, it's what we used to call in my old D1 days uh, about the University of North Carolina, uh, ball-on-the-ground offense, that actually their favorite play is to put the ball on the ground so that it can just be uh, mayhem. And they get the ball from that situation to the front of their goal as quickly as any team we're going to play. So um, they play our pace, which we should like, uh, they average over 50 shots a game. So, uh, and it's sort of a classic, um, you know, NESCAC versus non-NESCAC uh, Little East rivalry. They they win their league and go to the NCAA tournament virtually every year. Obviously, Bates Lacrosse fans remember the test that they gave us in 2015 here on our field in the NCAA tournament. So uh, this, is a, this is a really, really important, really demanding game for us. And then we get about five minutes to recover and then uh, start preparing for undefeated Williams. Right, Williams having a really good year. I know your mind's on Keene State right now, but tell us a little about what you've seen from Williams so far. Well, they just they they didn't graduate a, a ton. They graduated a couple important people uh, defensively and offensively, but again, uh, their coaching staff does a phenomenal job. They recruit top level athletes, 
and uh, they're just they're putting up a lot of goals. And um, again, you know, welcome to the NESCAC, where a team that probably nobody outside of the NESCAC is thinking about very much, but we look at as a legitimate contender to to win the league. All right, well, Coach, uh, great start this year so far for the Bobcats. Uh, big week coming up. Thanks so much. Aaron, my pleasure. Thank you so much. The women's lacrosse team gave number 2 nationally ranked Trinity a run for their money on Saturday before falling by a score of 9-5. to The Bobcats then defeated St. Joseph's on Monday by a count of 17-4, to improving to 4-3 and on the season. The Bobcats look to get their first NASCAC win of the year this Saturday when they host Williams at noon. This week is a busy one for Bates Athletics with the men's lacrosse and men's tennis teams in action alongside baseball and women's lacrosse. Also in action this week, the Bobcat rowing teams. They debut at the Murphy Cup this Saturday in Philadelphia. Head coach Peter Steenstra previews the season. Coach, first of all, I know last year we did a whole story about the early spring and everyone got on the water early. Uh, not the case this year, right? No, not at all. In, in fact, quite exactly the opposite. So... We're going to christen our brand new boathouse by not using it for the first month and a half of training. (laughs) (laughs) So when you have to train indoors, a lot of erg work, how do you keep the team excited and motivated? We break it up quite a bit with different types of machines. We have two different styles of ergometers, but then we're also doing a lot of running. Uh, We have some pool sides that we use in the swimming pool area. So we're, we're just breaking it up into smaller groups and we come back together at the end of practice and you know it, it it's just a matter of trying to keep things reasonably fresh and interesting um because otherwise you just kind of get beat down it's been nice obviously you had a lot of students abroad in the fall you got them all back now in the spring from, from evaluation purposes have you been able to make some good evaluations on the ergs yeah the the women that came back from abroad um which was the large group mm-hmm. um they've done really well i i don't think that any of them really took that abroad time off because they obviously they're in contact with their teammates and everything and we have a a good strong freshman class that came in so i I think the uh the alarms were sounded (laughs) across (laughs) facebook or wherever however else they're getting their information but they they knew to stay on top of things and uh and be prepared when they got back so Starting in January, I think they were sort of training themselves and keeping themselves fresh and ready. And when we got going here at the middle of February, they they jumped right in and didn't really miss a beat. So it's very encouraging. The teams were able to take a trip to Florida and get on the water there. So what was that trip like? That was awesome. I mean, it worked out really well. We had we had to change our our venue, our location because of you know last year's site was under construction, so we had to find a new place and. Even from the new place, we had to make adjustments based on problems with or conflicts with uh, the Daytona uh, 500 racing oh. thing there. So we had a problem with that. But once we got settled in at the at this rowing venue, very protected, miles and miles and miles of water, um, and it, and it worked out very well. We got lucky with the weather. And we had rain, but we're okay with rain. We don't mind that. Uh, the big thing is that we never lost a day of training. Um, and one of the guys who has GPS on his watch, I think, uh, he mentioned that we did over 150 miles of rowing in those six days. So that, that's that's good. That's really good. Uh, the men's team, um, we got three captains. Tell, tell us about them, what, what they mean to the program each, respectively. Uh, well, three captains. <laughs> we couldn't pick three guys that are more different, I okay. think. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got to, to start at the 
at the top there, Eric Diven, um, senior, uh, has been a strong performer his whole time here. He's just a, a, a racer by nature. That's all, all he really wants to do. It doesn't, he likes training. He's okay with it. He doesn't like technical changes. He's not interested. He just wants to race. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to have a, a good time out on a race course and, and be a part of a good team. Uh, ben Whitehead is a, uh, his former rower has become a coxswain. He's driving the Varsity Eight. He's a really smart guy who's who's uh, calculating. He's he understands what it takes to drive a crew down a course, and so he's he's really doing well there and coming into his own as a coxswain. And then Mats Tervich, who's actually a junior, um, very strong kid out of Philadelphia, a little bit on the quiet side compared to the other two. Um, but he, he's able to step back and see the big picture. Um, and he's, he's a good leader in his way and in his own right and a top performer on the team as well. So it's a strong trio of captains. And the men's team in general, a lot of returnees from last year, a lot of new faces. Or how's it shaping out with the first and second varsity eight? There's a lot of returning guys. Uh, we only lost two out of the varsity eight. Okay. Um, but the big difference really is how much stronger the middle of the team is. Uh, when we went to Florida... We kept all three eights that traveled. We kept mixing them up. Every single practice was a different lineup. Mm-hmm. It was never the first eight, second eight, third eight. We constantly rotated through, and that just kept everyone fresh, and it made the bottom guy on our team competitive for the JV8. That was our whole philosophy behind that, was to see how good could the worst guy be. Um, and it really worked out, I think. Um, I know that the JV-8 and the third boat also, but the JV-8 in particular was a focus to make sure that that boat is as competitive as it possibly can be. Yeah, because in these regattas and whatnot, it's, it, I mean, it is, it is kind of important to have you know, a lot of that depth. It's not just about the first varsity eight, right? I mean, it is and it isn't, uh-huh. right? I mean, the, the varsity eight is the one that is in the spotlight. That is the one that defines your program's mm-hmm. success or failure, but to have the depth and that's performing right through the third boat, then that's the kind of stuff that we as coaches are really focusing our attention on. I got you. And then on the women's side, obviously, Abby Bierman and Molly Pritz are the two captains this year. They've had a lot of success throughout their careers on the on the second varsity eight. Um, is Molly going to be on the first varsity eight this year with Abby still coxing in the second varsity eight or not decided yet for us? Molly is definitely very strong for that stroke seat of the varsity eight. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll begin there as soon as she's as soon as we're on the water, that's where she'll start. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that there isn't plenty of competition for her, so she'll have to stay on her toes and continue working as she has. But I think uh, at this point she's put in a lot of mileage. and She's put in. Uh, she's got a lot of success in that seat. And uh, let's face it, there's a lot of competition, but there's also a lot of confidence in her playing that role. And uh, Abby is more than just a strong coxswain. She's a strong leader within the entire program. Um, so to say that she was going straight to the, the JV8 is, is probably not fair to anybody, but she'll be vetted just like uh, Kate Traquina, who's the currently the, the varsity at coxswain. So. Well, yeah, and once you get to nationals, it, it is so important you know, for both those teams to be as strong as possible. We've seen that you know, with the second varsity eight winning gold medal after gold medal, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we need to... The way we look at things going into the entire season is varsity 16. It's not just a varsity right. 8. So we're looking at the top two boats and how people fit into the various roles that the two boats need. Um, 
and it could just be that the coxswain thing is decided based on the personalities of those in in either boat for the same reason that we don't see just eight portside rowers fighting for spots we have two that are stroke seats two that are two seats and that that sort of thing so we can get a little more selective about the actual lineups within the boats murphy cup is this weekend as we mentioned in philadelphia same size as last year um so what was last year's experience like what are your hopes in terms of what you want to see from you know the first regatta of the spring after you know mostly being indoors uh here at bates well the murphy cup springs like this these are the reason this is the reason we go to the murphy cup we have i can basically count on having water down there i know that i'm going to have good competition and i i should feel very confident they will be on the water three times so for us it's kind of like a mini spring break in a sense we get down there we practice on friday afternoon and then hopefully we're racing twice on saturday Provided that the weather cooperates, we'll be able to get all that done. And on a spring like this, it's very important for us to get our kids some water time, whatever they can. Um, and this year, as compared to last, you know, we finished the women's varsity finished third last year mm-hmm. behind Rutgers and Fordham. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, it's a, quite a beefed up uh, lineup. You know, adding UMass and and Penn, um, a couple of other Division One strong Division One programs. Um, and Wesleyan is there, and they're currently ranked number one in Division Three. So, we'll we'll give Wesleyan an opportunity to prove that. <laughs> right. I mean, I imagine that, that there is a lot of paying attention to how you fare against Wesleyan, although it is so early in the year, right? It it's early, and it's yeah. it's kind of fun for us. But yeah. I I guarantee you that the rest of the Division Three world, in particular, is watching this race. <laughs> and very curious to see how this works out. Next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll get you ready for the heart of the spring season for the Bobcats. Where will the men's lacrosse team rank after two key games this week? And how will the rowing teams fare in their 2017 debut? All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast.